If you can all stand, we want to do the uh, read the message. I'll do the scripture reading. The scripture today will be from Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If we can just welcome Pastor Sam Che. Thank you, guys. Oh, this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, wow, uh, beautiful place. Never I would imagine using a HOT mic up here. <laughs> uh, but uh, when uh, Eliza told me that uh, you guys moved into New Sanctuary, I was really pleased. Um, I know God is everywhere. I know God is present uh, in any space. But something special about having home church just that space, that sacred uh, place where people can call home, come pray, and, and altars built up with worship and prayer and tears. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. So um, I was just so happy, and it's a wonderful place. Um, and I just pray that a lot of great things that God will continue to do in this place. Um, thank you for inviting us back. Our church is back. And uh, always just a blessing to Uh, come together and worship together. Uh, Let's pray one more time before we get into the word. Lord, we just come humbly before your presence and before your word. We're just so grateful for the blessings that you are pouring out upon this church and this place. And Lord God, I just pray that this holy place will just be filled with your presence I pray for amazing things that only you can do will take place in this room and that you will use every single member of this church to accomplish your great and perfect will. Lord, we desire to hear your voice this uh, afternoon. We ask for you to speak to us with clarity, with conviction, but with your love and with your goodness. We give this time unto you. Have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's passage is on uh, faith. And I heard once someone describe knowledge-only faith compared to living an act of trust in this way. Imagine seeing someone walking on a tight rope uh, above across the Niagara Falls. The knowledge-only faith will see that person from the bottom and will say, Yes, I believe you can make it. I know that you can cross, cross to the other side safely. Versus where active and living trust will actually get on this person's back and say, let's cross together. No wonder trusting God and living out our faith is difficult and challenging. Because knowledge faith really does not take much. We can acknowledge it. We can detect it. We can say we believe it, but active trust in God involves taking risks. It involves becoming vulnerable. It involves letting go of our control. It involves surrendering of our ways and getting on Christ's back. 
we all want to um, get to the other side, right? We all want to get to that place where God has called us to be. We all want to get to that place where God has, God desires us to be. You can call it a promised land. You can call it other side. We all have that desire. But if we are to have a choice, we want to get there our own way. We want to get there still maintaining somewhat of a sense of control. We want to get there somehow having somewhat of a freedom and independence. Because something about having something under our control that gives us a sense of security, that makes us feel somewhat safe. I can relate to this uh, story because when I served as a youth pastor, there's always kids who take the drive license test, right? So here are 15, 16-year-old kids. They're always confident. They think like they're the best driver in the world. And um, as a good pastor, I would just kind of encourage them, saying, yeah, you're a great driver. I know you're going to pass the test. You know, you'll just fine, you know. It's easy. And once you get a license, I'm taking your ride. You know, I feel safe in your car. I say all these things. And they finally get the license, and I'm happy for them, right? I'm overjoyed, and I'm like, See, I knew you were going to make it. You know, I knew you were going to do fine. All this is great until they get into my car one day and say, oh, Pastor Sam, can I drive your car? Yeah. Right? That's, that's when, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's when I start to, like, talk about all the legal reasons why they shouldn't drive. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of like that. And, you know, sometimes it's not even about having doubt, right? It's not about, oh, I don't really think this this guy can drive. It's not even about that. It's sometimes just about control. It's sometimes about just having freedom. I drive car all the time whenever our family makes a trip. And sometimes my wife offers me, hey, like, I can drive for you. And I say, no, I'm driving, right? And number one, yes, there is that part of me that wants to serve my wife. You know, uh, you're tired. I'll drive for you. And it's genuine, okay? And I love, you know, serving my family. So it's not that, you know, that feeling is not there. But I have to admit, I like the driver's seat, right? I get to call which freeway I'm going to get on, which lane I'm going to drive. She, she yells at me all the time saying, change the lane. Because I always drive on the, the most right lane because there's no traffic, but it's bumpy. And she, Anyways, um, so I, I like the fact that I can be in control. I have no doubt that my wife's going to drive fine, but the feeling of, yeah, I can choose my way. You know, I can choose my lane. I can choose, you know, how fast I'm going to go. So there's always that, issue of control or wanting the freedom that, that plays into it. If Jesus is to ask me, let's go somewhere, if there is to be an option, I think I would probably lean towards the option of, Jesus, you drive your car ahead of me and I'll follow you. But I kind of want my own space. I want to do what I'm, whatever I'm going to do in my own space of my car. It's not that I don't want to go where Jesus wants me to go. It's not that I have doubt about Jesus being a bad driver. It's just there's something about I'm still in control. You know, I'm, I'm still having somewhat of a space for freedom. 
But here's the issue. Let's just assume that Jesus drives his own car and I follow him and we both end up getting to that place where Jesus wants us to be, wants me to be. I may get there, but my life is untouched. If I get to the destination, yes, I have arrived in the very place God wants me to be, but I did not really experience transformation that only can come from my relationship with God. If Jesus is to drive right next to me, imagine how much of a transformation that will take in my life. Just talking about anything and everything and hear what he has to say about that, picking up his wisdom, even the way he drives, how he doesn't have road rage, how he's always calm, even how he maneuvers in in certain difficult situations, even observing how he drives or, or how he maneuvers and, and the things that we talk about, my life will never be the same. But sometimes all we want is just, God, get me there. We want the right answer. We want the right result. We want the right decision. But transformation of our lives is not necessarily the priority. We want to get it right, get to the destination, get the result produce what I'm supposed to produce. But sometimes our eyes are not focused on how God wants to change me. We don't have to turn there, but there's a passage in Micah chapter 6. The people say, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? So here are genuine worshipers who's coming before God and say, we want to give God our best. We want to give God our worship. But what they're thinking about is, what can I produce and what can I bring? What kind of good things that I can make with my own hands so that I can offer it to the Lord? Their focus is on getting to the destination. Their focus is getting the right result. But this is how God responded in verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is God's way of saying, you keep asking, what can I produce for God? You keep asking, what kind of result that I can bring before God? And God is saying, I'm far more interested in who you are becoming. I'm far more interested in what kind of person that you are becoming than what your hand and your life can produce for me. David also had a similar experience in Psalm 51. He says, God, you you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. But my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. Broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. So we, we are in this cycle where result matters, Getting, des- getting to the destination matters. Producing the right thing matters. But God is far more interested in our hearts and who we are becoming in him. It's so hard, right? We constantly have to check our mind because our mind goes there. Result, result. But what God desires is transformation. What good is it that we arrive 
but our lives are untouched. What good is it that we arrive, and because we haven't been transformed, we end up doing more harm than good for the kingdom of God? What good is it when God is actually about transformation, but we're all about result? I'll share an embarrassing story of mine. Uh, when I first got into Bible college, I'd never been so excited about studying in my life. I, I know, I look studious, say it, yeah. Obviously not okay. <laughs> I certainly don't look like that. Um, just the idea of studying something that I became passionate for, it really excited me. So first class, first year, first semester, I'm like, I'm going to get all A, right? And it's not, it's not even about like pride thing or accomplishment thing. I'm just excited to learn about the Bible. Two weeks into it, <clears throat> I go in. I still remember it's like an eight in the morning class. Everybody's half asleep. And teacher all of a sudden goes, okay, pop quiz time. And... I was so tired the night before, I didn't do the reading that was, I was supposed to read for that day. So I'm taking tests, and obviously I don't know any answers to, to the pop quiz. Um, and I'm like, oh my goodness, right? I'm going to fail this class. I'm going to fail this class. And teacher goes like, you know what? This is Bible college. I trust in your integrity. God is watching. Just self-grade yourself, right? So I'm grading my own paper, which gives me an option to write down the right answer and mark it correct. Um, so I, I start to have all this like internal battle inside of me. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And just, just being Korean, I guess, that fear of grade kind of kicked in out of nowhere. So <clears throat> I'm ashamed to say I, 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 I wrote down right answers and I marked it correct. Now, <clears throat> trust me, it's one thing to cheat in your own college, secular college. It's a whole other thing to cheat in a Bible college on a Bible question. You feel like, oh, God, are you going to kill me today? <laughs> so I was so scared, but... Trust me, I, I, I didn't cheat after that, okay? I, I, I promise I never did because that, that guilt was anyways. But here was the kicker. The professor goes, okay, everybody, just give yourselves an A. And he said, the reason I did pop quiz was simply to see, you know, help you see if you're absorbing the materials that you're studying well, I want you to see through this test what areas you might need to improve. And I want you to just be held accountable. Uh, and he said, my intention was never to qualify you, disqualify you, or, or, or give a grade. So everybody gets an A. The purpose of him giving this pop quiz was not to get a result or based upon result to qualify or disqualify. He simply gave the test so that we can become aware of what we need to study more, to be held accountable, to learn to be diligent in keeping with the assignment, to learn the areas that I, I need to focus on, to gauge 
basically where I am in this class. I think God works that way too. Throughout the Bible, God talks about accomplishing what he has started on us. It's almost like God guaranteeing the result. You're going to get an A. I'll get you there. I'm going to make sure whatever I intend to do in your life, I'll make sure that you get there. But when God gives tests, it's not to see if we can qualify or not. It's not to see if we can produce the result or not. When God gives tests, God wants to see where we are. God wants to help us to see what areas we need to improve. But we live our lives as if, oh man, like I gotta make this happen for God. When God is saying no, what accomplishes my will in your life is my power, but what I'm interested in is I want to change you. I want you to see the things that, that I need to tap into so that you can surrender those things and I can come in and do the work of transformation. It takes pressure off of us, our fear of failing or this great pressure of, oh, I got to get this right for God. But that doesn't mean that we throw our hands and, oh, we don't care. In that journey of letting Christ take our driver's seat and drive us, that we become more and more like Christ. That it's about transformation. Then what does it look like for us to let go of this control and kind of get on Christ's back? What does it look like for us to really trust God and leave the result to the Lord and really focus on the transformation work that God is doing? Because it can sound somewhat abstract um, and we want to somehow get this image or picture of how this can be applied or what does it look like for somebody to really walk in that kind of trust. In thinking about how to trust God, um, I want us to think about elevator. What is your preference when you go to, I don't know, the mall or, or any buildings? If you have an escalator and if you have an elevator, which one would you choose? For me, I take escalator. Yes, I'm one of those, I have three kids. I'm one of those parents who, it says it's not for stroller and I'm still taking my stroller to the escalator because I just don't like elevators, right? Um, it's because elevators, I realize, it exposes my desire and want to be in control. Think about it. When you're taking escalator, you have so much more freedom than taking an elevator. But once elevator, you're getting to the elevator, you're completely dependent on that elevator to take you to the destination. And I think that's the same thing with us too. We have escalator to get to the destination and elevator to get to the destination. Right? Escalator is more like, God, just tell me where I need to go. I'll get there on my own. I'll get there at my own pace. I'll get there with my own, you know, uh, own, own time. 
Whereas when we take the elevator, we become very dependent on that. Now think with me about this. There are a lot of things that you surrender when you get into the elevator. Here's the first one. When you get into the elevator, you surrender your right to reach the destination at your own pace. Do you realize that? If you get on the escalator, you can weave through people, you can actually run as the escalator is going up and down. You have control over how fast or how slow at whatever pace you get to the destination. But elevator, does it go faster if less people are in there? Does it go slower if more people are in there? Does it, does it go faster if you just press it so many times saying, I gotta get there? It doesn't, right? It goes into its own pace. And here's what's worse, interruptions, right? My previous church, we had a four-story building, youth kids, you know. I would take the elevator in the fourth floor and try to, I press first floor button, and these kids would just press three, two, everything, and just run down, right? So I'm stopping by every single floor. Once you get into the elevator, you're giving up your right to arrive wherever you want to arrive at your own pace. You know what it means to trust God or what does it look like for us to intentionally focus on God's transformation in our lives? It is to trust God and let God deal with our pace and our hurry of life. We're so all about fast, hurry, efficiency, right? And we run at our own pace not really seeing the need for rest or worship or stop to pay attention to what Spirit is saying, to stop and praise, to stop and meditate. We're always on the run all the time. But trusting God means letting God take the throne of our time and let God deal with our pace and let God deal with our issue of hurry in our lives. Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's workmanship. But in original language, they say that they use the Greek word poema, which means poem. Now think about poem. Poem has structure, cadence, and rhythm to it. So why would God specifically use the word poem in describing us? Yes, we are God's masterpiece. Yes, we are well-crafted by his workmanship. But God intentionally saying that word God's poem means God designed us in a way where there's cadence and rhythm to our life that resembles God. That's why God says, take one day off. That's why God says, worship. That's why God says, stop and spend time, look around. And, and, and God has these seasons and God has certain rhythms built in. What it looks like for us to trust in God is to give throne of our time and say, God, not not my time, but your time. And I'll honor you with your time. I'll honor you by giving my one day to worship. I'll honor you by slowing down, paying attention, and praying, and meditating, and spending time with you, spending my time with my family. 
It's about slowing our lives down. And even seeing interruptions as God's invitation. Seeing interruptions as there's something that God wants to get our attention for. What does God say about, Bible say about God's timing? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, it says, God has made everything beautiful in his time. He's never late. He's never early. His timing is always perfect. And letting go of God, I want to get there faster. I want to know what's next after I get there. No, it means slowing down and paying close attention to what God is doing and trusting that God's timing is always perfect. So trusting God means to examine our pace of life and really look into what kind of life that we're living when it comes to time. Second thing that we surrender when we get into the elevator is that we give up rights as to who we're going to ride with. Escalator, you can kind of scan. If you see somebody that you don't want to, you know, spend time with, you can choose not to get on that escalator. You can take the stairs. You can take different means. You can avoid it. But think about elevator. Once you get in, you're in. When the door opens and that person comes in, you have no place to hide. See, trusting God means letting God teach us about love, about compassion, about forgiveness. God wants us to examine our relationships. That's what it looks like for us to trust in God and focus on the transformation work that God is doing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So our identity will never change. Our identity as a chosen, set-apart, beloved will not change. But if that's who we are, we need to dress like one. That's why it goes on to say, Then clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. God wants our love to go beyond surface level. God wants our love and compassion to go beyond our prejudice. God wants our love and our relationship with people to go beyond favoritism. God really wants us to learn to love people with a heart of Christ. I love that passage in Philippians chapter 1. Apostle Paul says, I have loved you with a heart of Christ. And God wants us to get there. You know, we are so result-oriented. We're so, you know, task-oriented that sometimes we forget to look around. We forget to pause and care for relationships pause and ask people how they're doing. Really sit and ask the Lord saying, God, is there anyone who needs my prayer today? Is there anyone that you want me to pray for because that person is going through some tough times? Trusting God is yes, slowing down, but also examining and carefully looking at our relationships. Lastly, once we get into the elevator, we surrender our right to see. I know that now 
there are a lot of elevators with the windows on the other side, so you can kind of see you know, where you're going. But still, majority of the elevators is completely enclosed. Once you get in, you have no idea what's outside. Once you get in, you don't really see where you're going, except the numbers that changes, right, on the top. Escalator, you have an open view. You see everything going on around you as you're going up and down. But once you get into the elevator, you don't see anything. See, when we trust God, God wants us to start to become more sensitive to his voice and his spirit rather than what our eyes can see to analyze and to figure out. You know, in, in every, like, um, even an elevator or wherever you go in a public space, there's a braille, you know, that, that dot is made for the blind people to feel to read what is said. Have you ever tried to feel that thing? It feels the same to me. <laughs> like, I have no idea. I cannot tell the difference between all those dots. But those people who cannot see, they're able to read. Because something about losing one sense that heightens the other sense, it all the more enhances your ability to sense in a different way. And sometimes God makes us blind to what he's doing. And all there is left for us to trust is his word and the goodness of God, the character. And sometimes God wants us to walk in that. A lot of times we say, oh man, it must be me or I might be doing something wrong because I cannot figure it out or I cannot understand it. I should be able to interpret everything the way that God is seeing and sometimes we can be harsh to ourselves. Don't get me wrong, God uses intellect, God uses our logic and sometimes there are times when God gives us wisdom and ability to interpret the situations the right way. But sometimes God would kind of blindfold us. But that is not so that we can suffer, but that is so that we can heighten our sensitivity to the Spirit. And for us to become more aware of His voice, for us to become more aware of His goodness, for us to become more aware of the validity of the promise and the word of God. So examining our senses, going beyond our understanding, going beyond our logic, and become more relational with the Heavenly Father. That is what it looks like for us to trust God and pay close attention to the transforming work that God does. Now, kind of talking about this kind of faith may all the more discourage you from really taking the step of faith. You're saying, that's why, you know, I want my freedom. That's why I'd rather ride on an escalator. See, trusting in God is a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. Right, here's the thing. Even if there's an escalator option, in one condition, I will always take elevator. And that is when the destination that I need to reach is really, really tall. 
I heard uh, the tallest building, Khalifa, in Dubai, it's 160 stories tall. They said the length of the building is more than half a mile. Sure, I, I love my freedom. Sure, I would love what's going on outside. Sure, I would love that pace and the time as far as how fast or how slow I can get there. But 160 stories tall on an escalator? Forget it. I'm taking elevator. See, what we sometimes miss is God's vision and God's call and God's plan in your life is way higher than we expect or imagine. That's why we say, I'm going to get there on an escalator. No, if you truly come to see what God has for you, it's not possible for us to go in our own power. Sometimes we don't realize that, right? Ephesians chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I want to remind you and tell you the vision that God has for your life, the call that God has for this church, the vision and the promises and the plans that God has for your family is way higher, way bigger, immeasurably more than we can possibly think or imagine. It's not something where, okay, I'll put my enough work and I'll get there. The only way to get there is to trust. So yes, we might get frustrated at the pace of getting there, but that's not for God to frustrate you because God wants to change your rhythm to how it's supposed to be. I know sometimes we can get frustrated over, why do I have to get there with this person or that person? Because by the time we get there, God wants us to be loving and compassionate and forgiving as Christ is. Sometimes we say, ah, you know, I'd rather have something visual, something I can see. No, God is at work teaching us to become more aware and sensitive to his presence. So I want to encourage all of us, if we have taken a step out of the elevator, that we became more about getting the right result. God, give me the right answer. Give me the right decision. And if we haven't paying attention to what God really wants to do, it's time for us to get back on that track of trusting God. Result, God will take care of it. The promised land, the other side, the, the highest floor that God has for you, God will get you there. Just trust in that and start to say, God, what are you doing? What is that you're doing in this journey? God, what do you want me to pay attention to? What is the work that you're doing? So let's get back to the place of faith and trust. Let's pray. I know that um, 
we sometimes box God in as far as what he wants to do or what he can do within and through us. But I don't know, is there any like promises or words or visions that God might have given you for your life, for this ministry, for your family, that you might have forgot about, you stopped praying about? Um, God will take you there. Just, just about a minute, if I just want to give time for you to respond to the Lord. Um, just coming back to that place of trust. Not so anxious about getting it right. Not so anxious about getting the right result for God. But knowing that God has guaranteed A in our lives. If we can just kind of quiet our soul and ask the Lord God, what is it that you want to do in me? So just about a minute if you can spend time responding to the Lord. Lord God, we just want to thank you for for the plans and the promises you have over our lives and over this church. We thank you in advance because you're a faithful God who will see to completion what you have started. But meanwhile, we just want to come to this humble place and say God bring us back to the heart of worship would you bring us back to that first love Lord would you bring us back to that simple and childlike faith and before we pray for success before we pray for all the great things that that we want to see accomplished by your hand. We just make this simple prayer to you saying, Lord, we want to become more like you. We just want to resemble you. We want to represent you right. We want people to see you in us. We 
You want people to hear you in us. God, just like a little child thinking that his father and, and her father is the greatest. And, and in their own world, the only thing that they want is to become like their own father. That is our prayer to you. Make us more like you. Not so that we can produce anything, but Lord, that's our heart. Because we love you so much and we admire you so much. And you're so great in our lives. So Lord, slow us down. Help us to let go of what we need to do for a little bit. For you will take care of it. And cause us to become more relational and more intimate with you. Thank you so much, God. We pray this in Jesus' name.